You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to this special edition of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Angelica and I'll be your host and joining me as always is my excellent co-host Ryan. Say hey Ryan. Hello and blessed day people. <laughs> Praise be. Today we are going <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about episode 4 of The Handmaid's Tale titled God Bless the Child and my was it an episode. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, so let's start off first thoughts. What did you think of this episode, Ryan? Um, I thought it left me wanting more, mm-hmm. but I was kind of looking at the, like, I was following the hashtag uh, handsmade on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me not want more after I saw some of that stuff. I try not to look at it because I'm trying to go, like, as we go. And right. Going. Yeah. So I try not to read too much, but I'm like, oh, God, maybe I don't want part two of this episode. <laughs> it was a, this episode felt very much like a setup. You know, it was. Like, so, like, it needed more to it, and it felt, but I'm like, I'm nervous. I don't know if I want episode five or not. I'm like, oh, God. Um, well, I've been watching it. Whereas I like you and I were personally the way we do this podcast, we're doing one week at a time, so we're about two episodes behind. But I still like watch ahead because I like to watch the episodes more than once, so I can kind of yeah. know what I'm talking about right. when I podcast. Um, but I haven't watched the most recent episode, but I can tell you, spoiler free, is the next episode is a lot less traumatic than this episode. Let's just put it that way. Okay, that's good. good. (laughs) Like, I know how we used to talk about before how these these episodes that we've watched for this season so far have been... I wouldn't say they're been they're like levity, but they haven't been as like traumatizing. I don't feel depressed or oppressed watching it because you're kind of seeing right. June kind of rise up um, in a sense. But I feel like we just got taken right back down on this episode, um, especially, you know, not to get into detail because we want to really talk about it later on, but about what happened with Janine. It's like. You know, that was a really hard yeah. scene to watch. That was rough. Yeah, there, there were a lot of, there were like a couple things, like you said, we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. There are a couple things where I was very like, I'm not feeling this right now. Like, we need to move on to the next, <laughs> part, of the, next part of the episode. Yeah, it was ba- basically back to, you know, you sitting there with your stomach, you know, turning on itself as you're watching yeah, these scenes yeah. unfold. And you're just like, oh my gosh, let's back to, you know, them traumatizing us. So. Uh, yeah, it's like you know they were they were like you know just a little bit oppressed the other episode, so we had to get back in right. <laughs> like uh hang in a couple Marthas no big deal we can deal with this but when you start you know beating up handmaids it's like this is too much I don't want to watch this yeah, it's, yeah, it's getting, yeah it's getting there <laughs> it's getting there um so yeah we start off as as we do every episode with a June voiceover um and 
I kind of like the way they set up this scene. So everybody's walk, everybody in town is walking in to a church for the dedication of the babies. And everyone's like lined up. So like all the Marthas are lined up walking in, all the handmaids are lined up, all the Econo wives. And then you see like the commanders and their wives in two lines, two by two, like Madeline, um, but in a perverted <laughs> in a perverted sense. And I, I guess Aunt Lydia would be, um, what's her name? Um, Madame Clary? No. Yeah, that would yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be on Lydia in a perfect world. Um, but yeah, they're all like marching in two by two. Um, and Aunt Lydia, it was like a beautiful scene, but not. But not yeah, it was. It was. It was yeah, it was like, yeah. Very color coordinated. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and then you see Aunt Lydia pulling up yeah. on her power chair. That power chair took me out. Once we get around that power chair, boy. <laughs> and I think it was of Robert that said, "Like, oh, hell on wheels." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was dying. I was literally dying at that point. Yeah, it was kind of funny seeing her roll around in that. Um, she's like, come on, girls. And so <laughs> so every year the community gathers to celebrate the birth of the children born that year. Um, and as such, the handmaids that gave birth to children that year are given seats of honor at the baby dedication. So that includes Janine, who, as we know, um, is the mother of Angela, the child of the Putnams. And uh, we'll touch some more on Janine. But Janine, how can I put it? She's damaged. She's probably... Yeah, yeah. Prob- I'm going to say she's probably been through the worst of it of any handmaid. Um yeah, because it's like understandable, but you still feel bad for her because you like you're like maybe she's just at the point where it doesn't matter anymore. So we kind of have to let our because I I keep thinking like I'm like well she's been through mm-hmm. so much so so doesn't she know like not to do no. this like why does she want them to like but you know she's a child it's, it's, she yeah. she yeah. uh she knows she kind of ever I mean we can touch on it a little bit so basically Janine um for those of you that um are catching up Janine is um a handmaid. Uh, June first encountered her in a red center. And initially, Janine was very normal, for lack of a better word. You know, she was not with Gilead. She basically told um, Aunt Lydia to go like f herself. So as a result of that, Janine's right eye got taken. Um, so that was the beginning of her breaking down. And then um, when they were in the red center, she was made to confess her sins. And apparently, her big sin was. Um, being, uh, she was describing being gang raped in college. So, in, in in our world, you know, if that happens to someone, you're there to comfort them, you're there to support them. But in this world, she's basically blamed for being a Jezebel for you know seducing these men, and sh- you know this right. is, sh- it's her fault that this happened to her. So that was kind of the beginning of her breakdown. We also learned that she had a son that was taken for her um, when Gilead came into power. So Janine's already been through so much. She's been traumatized. Then she went on to have a child with uh, a child for the Warrens, which was taken away from her. And at one point she escaped with her child and tried to commit suicide. Um, Luckily June was able to talk her down, took the baby. But then, you know, Janine was like, nah, F this. And she jumped off that bridge, but she survived. (laughs) It wasn't high enough. Yeah, it wasn't high enough. And then as a result of that, she was sentenced to death. Um, And she was basically going to be stoned to death by the fellow handmaids, which I love about Gilead. They, they, if a handmaid commits a crime, the other handmaids punish her. Uh, yeah, because you know that makes yeah, sense. Right? Total sense. It's kind of a way to keep each other down. So, um, who was right. it? Of Glenn, number two refused to stone her. Um, 
And so as a result, her tongue was taken out. But anyways, basically, uh, because they refused to stone her to death, that's when the handmaids were put through that whole fake hanging and Janine was sent to the colonies. But after of Glenn number two blew up the red center, they were short on <laughs> handmaids. So Janine was brought back. So Janine was brought back. So this, th- this is where we find Janine. So Janine is, um, you know, she had Angela, so she's given a place of honor. Sorry for the, the, I guess the rant, but I just wanted to explain, you know, why Janine is who she is. She's in a very childlike state. She's traumatized. She suffered a mental breakdown. She's not, she's not thinking like an adult. So all the decisions she makes are based off impulse, like a child would. Um, so she's given a place of honor at the dedication. So is June because June had Nicole. And then we find out that of Matthew also had a child um, and she's given a place of honor. So, um, and then June asked her, like, oh, you had a kid. And she's like, I had three. And I'm so blessed to have them. And yeah, so during that voiceover, June was actually looking around trying to figure out who to recruit for the resistance. So, you know, if Matthew is a hard cookie, to, a hard nut to crack, you know, a tough cookie. Um, but this does present a weak point for her. Um, she, you know, appears to be very thankful and very blessed to have children for these commanders. But any person knows that when a woman gives birth to three children and has to give them away, that's going to affect you. Um, so this might be like a little chink and, you know, in the chain there, maybe that's something for June to grasp onto and maybe of Matthew can come over to the other side. I don't know. Um, and I did see some face here, Angelica. You saw some, I saw face? some face. I think we caught her. Yeah, of Matthew. I think we caught her. Like you know, like you're saying, thinking, thinking about, about it a little, little bit. bit. Like I think a little bit. Yeah, I think the front is a little bit. You know, I think it mm-hmm. came down a little bit when you see like all the kids come in. I think it came right. Down. And you know, when they see the babies, and June's like, oh, they're so beautiful. And you know, she goes like, oh, they're all beautiful, and we're so blessed to have them. And it's like, come on, girl, come on to the other side. I know it's hard. I saw that side eye. No, I saw that side eye she was giving June. I, I see something was there a little bit, but she tried to cover it up by saying, oh, mm-hmm. like, don't, don't do it. Um, <laughs> so they're all in there at the baby dedication. I've been to several of them. Um, you know, if, if you were to take away the color code and, you know, as June said it, you know, it takes the village to raise a child and machine guns, um, take all that away. This was your, you know, your church, you know, your church dedication. I've been to several of them where you line up all the babies at, in the front of the congregation, yep. you dedicate them to God. Um, I wouldn't call it a baptism. It's a little different. It's a dedication, but we also get a glimpse yeah. of that. So, you know, as she's sitting through this dedication, she kind of flashes back to when Hannah had her baptism. And it's I think it was a funny scene because we have Luke and June so they're this couple that basically started out of an affair and they have Hannah and then you have you know Moira that's like a whole lesbian <laughs> in the in the church and then you have you know um you have June's mom played by uh what's her name Cherry I can't think of her last name but her, I know her first name is Cherry um and she's like this super left you know super like you know, burned her bra, pro woman feminist. You know, they, they just don't belong in a Catholic church. Um, <laughs> and um, it's pretty much and what it comes down to, and you know, the mom even says like, you know, you cannot let religion control your choices. You know, why are we here? And it's kind of prophetic what she says because religion is what caused Gilead, not. I wouldn't say not belief, not faith, but organized religion, fanatics created this, 
new world. Um, and so she kind of reflects on Hannah's baptism. Um, and then, you know, as she's looking around, she spots Fred Waterford and she notices that Serena isn't sitting with him. Like it's very clear. There's an empty seat there. And, um, June says something pretty interesting. She says, um, Essentially, I vowed to feel hatred for this man, but I don't feel it. I don't know really what to call this feeling. I know it's not love, but it's something. And that's a very interesting choice, considering what she's been through with Fred. Um, Yeah, I I was not with that choice at all. I didn't understand that at all. I was like, what? Like, I can understand if... No. Okay. No, I'm gonna let you take it. Yeah, I'm gonna get into it. So I feel um, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. You know, even though he's her oppressor, he's protected her all along. So I think in many ways she hates him, but I do think she has a love for him. Some some type of s- small part of her heart may love this man, if only for the fact that he's just kept her safe this entire time. So that's why she's probably conflicted by saying. I want to hate him, but I can't. Um, right. And in that kind of society, that's kind of right. what most can hope for. Right <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think that's why she says what she says. So basically, the babies are being dedicated, and then they kind of give a shout out to Nicole. Um, they pray for her safe return, and they pray that she's safe um, and that she's in a good place. And um, on that, June agrees. You know, she says, Amen which amen essentially is saying you're in agreement. Um, she, you know, she, she wants her, she knows her daughter's safe, um, but she didn't really get confirmation. She was told by a handmaid that, you know, Emily and Nicole had made it across the border. But I think at this point she doesn't know that uh, Nicole is with Luke. Uh, so all she can hope for is the safety of her child. So I thought that was an interesting scene. Um, I liked how the interweaving, I, I love the flashbacks in this series just to see how things were. Um, And I just love the dynamic between, you know, June, her mom, you know, saying inappropriate things in a Catholic church. I think she said something about like pedophile, like it, it was just inappropriate, Uh, (laughs) but in the best way. I also like how she brought up how her mom, it's like, I feel like her mom kind of foreshadowed Mm -hmm. this whole society, you know, like in a way she might've been trying to give her stuff to be like, well, we have to stop it. Although she didn't really, obviously she wouldn't know all the intricacies and how it was going to come together. Um, Cause telling her about mm-hmm. like don't let religion control you, like I feel like she was dropping little nuggets all along. Like, hey, I see something that's about that. Yeah, yeah. Her mother, um, I definitely, definitely. Um, now I have it, Cherry Jones. Um, her mother definitely foresaw that. And the last we know of um, her mother is that you know clearly her name is Holly and, and you know, Nicole was actually originally named Holly. Um, clearly she's not someone that's going to conform to Gilead whatsoever. And I think she may have been, if correct me if I'm wrong, she may have been an abortion doctor. Like she worked at a clinic and she performed abortions. So in the world of Gilead, that's a no, no. So she was sent to the colonies. So we don't know right, if her mother's right. alive or not. Usually you don't last very long in the colonies and she was much older. So who knows? We don't know the fate of her mother, but she is, been inter she's been interwoven throughout the series so maybe we'll see i know holly at the end of this um but yeah it will be maybe she'll be part of a resistance who knows um hmm, actually i'm I'm gonna predict that i feel like holly is involved in some unwoman underground resistance out there somewhere that's just my thoughts uh (laughs) yep 
All right, we're going to see. So moving right along. So <laughs> so we go, we cut to Emily giving face like always. Like, God, I oh, freaking yeah. love Alexis Bledel. Like she just says, right? Like humor She's girl. the best. She, you know, since her the traveling pants, she's always been able to just say yep. so much without saying one word all in her face. So yes. Anyways, so. She basically finally made a decision to reunite with her family in Canada. Um, so apparently she booked the ticket, got on a train, met up with her wife. So she comes out of this busy train station. You can tell she's overwhelmed. Like this is a sea of people. She doesn't see Sylvia, her wife. She's just, you know, you could just see all over her face. This is too much for her. And then finally Sylvia pulls up. And she's like, I'm sorry. I couldn't find a parking spot. And they look at each other briefly and then they hug and it's a good reunion. They hug, they cry, you know, all, I'm getting all in my feels. They're, make, yeah, <laughs> they're making everyone cry. And they're just giving this <laughs> tearful, you know, hug this tearful reunion. And I'm just like, yes, finally, Emily. And you know what? I said Janine went through a lot. Emily went through a hell of a lot, too. So. Oh, yeah. And can you imagine what Sylvia is thinking? I was just mm-hmm. trying to put, I was just trying to think for a minute, like being in her shoes. Like, yeah, just like, this is my right wife, now. got left behind. She went through all this crap, you know, what they tortured her, you know. She, yeah. And what do I ask yeah. her? Like, what am I supposed to do? Do I say, yeah, how do I, I handle I this? Yeah, it was, it, or... it was tough. Um, And, you know, they later on reunite with their son, Oliver, later down line in this episode we'll touch on that but that we get that snippet of that reunion them just giving each other a hug and saying hello after you know years apart um so now we go to uh the handmaids they're in a van with aunt lydia june does her thing she loves the people watch as do i um and she's watching Aunt lydia sitting back you could tell she's tired you know aunt lydia She's pretty banged up from Emily still. And um, so June uh, checks in on her. She's like, hey, are you okay? It's been a long day. You know, I'll let you don't like that. She's like, mind your business. Worry about yourself. <laughs> um, no right. ask no questions. No um, so we learned that handmaids have been invited to the Putnam's house. Um, so um, Warren Putnam and Naomi Putnam, the, the parents or the adoptive parents of Angela. And, you know, she tells Janine because Janine has a habit of doing things she's not supposed to do she's like okay you know it's an honor to be invited here what did i tell you what are you gonna do and she's like i'm gonna be a good girl very childlike yeah and i'm like no i wouldn't i mean you could tell she tries but she just can't help herself um so they all walk in and um of matthew just has to be a killjoy she's like we don't belong here (laughs) <laughs> and June tells her, like, lighten up, go get something to eat, like, get out of here. Um, so the handmaids go into the kitchen because they're not really allowed amongst, you know, these commanders and their wives and all these honored guests. So they, they go in the kitchen to eat. Um, and June, once again, she loves to linger. So she's lingering. She has her eyes on Fred. She's trying to figure out, you know, what he's up to. And then Serena approaches her from behind. She's like, oh, what I miss. And I love June's line here. She's like, oh, you know, some jello shots, a little bit of karaoke. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, and they have like a little yeah, moment. They good. smile. And uh, so, you know, June's like, you know, I didn't see you at the, the dedication. And um, Serena just tells her, like, I just didn't want to be a distraction, which is is um, a fair point. You know, the mother of a kidnapped child there, that would have been a bit of a distraction. Um, yeah, plus, 
you know, it's mm-hmm. the wives are always in each other's business. So she, it wasn't like she was going to be right. able to just sit there and, you know, kind of look at the other. Yeah. And, and I think herself. honestly, I don't think Serena was up for pretending. I don't think she wanted to sit with her husband as a united front. She, she at this point, she wants no parts of Fred. So no, she's not going to sit in public with him. Yeah, she's like, uh, can I be on the other? Yeah. Like, yeah. She's not interested in being out in public with him, you know, putting on this persona. And she only showed up to the reception to show support for Naomi. Um, so Fred approaches and um, he's just like, hey. And Serena's very cold with him. Um, and actually, let me back up a little bit. So while, you know, before Fred notices them, um, June kind of tells Serena, you know, I know you didn't want to go to the dedication, but these women, they look up to you. They respect you. Um, And at one point they looked to you to lead them. And Serena was just like, yeah. And half of them walked out on me. And then June rightly points out, but half of them did it. Um, So, you know, June's planting these seeds, trying to get Serena to win her power back. Um, And then once again, Fred approaches, uh, Serena's not having it. She's like really cold. Like she's like, I did not come here for you. I came here for Naomi bye and <laughs> she kind of reluctantly walks into this drawing room drawing room with with him and you know kind of says hi to naomi just she's there just for appearances sake um so we cut to emily and her son which this scene had me freaking crying like a little baby um so emily's there's a tearjerker. So Emily's in the house with Sylvia. They're waiting on their son Oliver to come home, um, and she, you know she she's she's telling Sylvia like this is weird, <laughs> and you know Sylvia's like you know what you're right this is weird but so what who cares no this is the yeah I love that by the way the way she was like yeah, yeah is. this is the process like, and know, I I do? feel like when it comes to people suffering from PS PS P, uh, I can't even say the word PSTD is that did I say it right PSD I, PTSD I'm sorry I usually am on it but my brain is gone um when you deal with people <laughs> oh just let's let me just side note real quick so I was telling I was telling Ryan how yeah, like what yeah, I had to go through to watch this episode so um just you know this is off whatever so i have a blu-ray player with built-in wi-fi in my living room i also have a blu-ray player in my bedroom but you need to connect it to a modem for it to get wi-fi so i was like okay let me just catch up on my handmaid's tale i go downstairs turn on my blu-ray player with the built-in wi-fi click on my hulu this thing talking about hulu is no longer supported i'm like what how am I supposed to watch this episode? Like I'm doing a podcast on this show and I can't even watch it. So my daughter, you know, she has an Xbox one in her room and I'm like, I got to, I had to kick her out. I was like, look kid, I got to watch the show. You, you can go in my room. So I kicked my kid out of her bedroom so I could watch the handmade sale. And it felt so wrong. Like I just did not feel right sitting in a, <laughs> it's all right. Y'all. Look, look, I'm saying y'all that's dedication. I'm just saying the work we see, put in, see, you see the work. Yeah, it was, I just, I, just, I right and the fact that I'm going, probably going to have to watch the rest of the season in this pink room with toys and stuff while they like oppress women. I don't know if I could do it, but anyways, I'm going to push through it. I, <laughs> for you guys, for you guys, um, you guys and my poor child's going to have to sit in, in my room, you know, while I watch this crazy show. Um, but back to the point at hand. So <laughs> I love, yeah, detail. we're going to go back. We're driving back. So I just love how Sylvia is very understanding of Emily's situation. Um, you know, she's, 
she's prepared to talk for this. She's not overbearing. She's not pushing the issue. She's basically allowing Emily to come to things in her own time and her own pace. Um, and I, I thought it was really sweet. It kind of broke my heart. But Emily asked Sylvia, she's like, does he remember me? And I was like, oh, <laughs> And Sylvia, amazing as always, she takes Emily up to Oliver's room. And you can see all these pictures of Emily and Oliver together. Um, And apparently Oliver has been drawing pictures of Emily. There's one where she's a superhero. And Sylvia says, like, he drew you like this. He he said that you're, you know, you're fighting to come back to us. I thought that was so sweet. Um, So as they're, you know, looking throughout the room, Oliver comes in. And he's just like, hi. I mean, this is like the cutest little kid I ever did see in my life. Like, it was so cute. And yeah. then he was just like, hi. Yeah. You know, my mom told me that, um, you know, I can't hug you until you're ready. And I was like, aw. <laughs> yeah, I almost lost it on that. He remembers like, her. Oh, he's gentle her. with her. You know, he's also... You know, despite the fact that he's probably, I don't know his exact age, but I would say like seven. And he's just so understanding of the fact that his mommy was away. She came back. She's been through a lot. And, you know, I just have to be gentle with her. Um, And they kind of bond over science. They're both, you know, looks like they're two little nerds. And, you know, Emily's just like, I miss you so much. I'm so happy to see you. You know, let's hug each other when we're ready. You know, how was your day? How was school? Which is, you know, what every parent does. I ask my kid every day, Destiny, how was school? How was your day? Um, and, you know, it's just an easy way to keep it, you know, to connect with your child. So this this was a good connection. And um, Oliver tells her, like, yeah, we talked about dinosaurs. I got fossils. You want, you want me to show you? And they just sit there and talk about dinosaurs. And you can... <laughs> <laughs> I, I drew them. Like, like, I drew them, and you know Sylvia's looking on. She, lo- you could just tell she's just happy to see her family back together. And I love how Emily goes like, "Oh, he's so big now, like like a parent would." Like, "Oh my God, he got so big." Um, so that was such a great scene. I I was just happy to see Emily happy, um, even if it was for a moment. Um, so we. Right, but I'm just yeah, just need, uh, one good happy. Where you know, Moira had mentioned a couple episodes ago how you know a lot of times happily ever after is just plain after. But I think with this family, um, just with the way that Sylvia's handling Emily with such care, I, I see them you know eventually being a happy family once again. So good luck to them um (laughs) so we uh next go to aunt lydia so aunt lydia like i said she's struggling um you know she's walking around on her cane instead of her power chair in the house and she takes a moment to sit down to catch her breath and janine comes in with some tea and janine despite the fact that aunt lydia then tortured her janine and lydia have this very strange mother-daughter relationship um, you know, at one point Janine had ordered her to death, but they, st- I mean, not Janine, Lydia had ordered Janine to death, but they, they still have this loving relationship and Janine wants to please Aunt Lydia no matter what. Um, so she brings her team and she tells her like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. I prayed for you every day to get better. Aunt Lydia is like, please, I know what those girls think about me. They blame me for Emily. Um, you know, I regret saving her from the colonies and then janine goes well i'm glad you saved me and aunt lydia agrees like i'm glad i saved you too and they have this cute little moment together and it does not last um (laughs) um so we next move to the kitchen 
once again, of Matthews out here being a killjoy because all the girls are in there talking about, you know, how terrible Aunt Lydia is and of Matthews defending her. She's like, you know, she's doing the best that she can. All we want to do here is be able to get through our day without causing any trouble. And I'm like, this girl just won't quit. Like, I'm like, is she really doing the best she can with Matthew? Let's think about it. Is she really now? I just, I'm like, I'm over her. She's like, Captain save a I'm just done with her. Get rid of love, Matthew. She's just, she's just. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for that moment. I keep waiting for that moment where I'm a not hater. Like, I keep waiting for the moment. I'm like, she's going to do something that's going to make me, uh, like, proud. Like, she's going to do something. It's going to, like, she's going to mm-hmm. give me something. I don't... But I, I'm starting to lose hope. I'm starting mm-hmm. to lose hope. Somebody push her in front of a bus. I'm over it. Um, <laughs> so it looks like the way she, you know June keep giving them side eyes, that, that face to her whenever she talks. I know something ready to go down. Something going down. So it looks like June about to walk up on her, tell her about herself. But Fred walks in. So she doesn't get a t- chance to talk to her. And um, he kind of dismisses the handmaids. He tells them to go, you know, try the deviled eggs at the uh, buffet. Now, they're not allowed to go to the buffet, but this is his way of clearing out the room so he could talk to June by herself. And he's like, eh, I'll deal with the issue. And I'll deal with the other commanders later. So the girls, you know, scamper off. And I want to call this scene and the next scene, like June's boss moment. Yeah, um, and this was, situation. Yeah. It was a boss moment. In this situation, you know, June has all the power, which is funny because she's probably the person with the least amount of power in this world. Um, and Fred's coming to her. You know, they, they they sit next to each other almost as equals, sipping on some water. And uh, Fred basically is like, look, I need your help. I'm concerned about Serena. She's not herself. She's out here hiding out at her mom's house. This is like, I need my wife back. Like, you need to help us. So Jude kind of negotiates and she says, you know, she's tired of planting flowers and knitting sweaters. Like, give her some power. Give her something to do. Of course, behind the scenes. Um, And Fred's like, okay, well, if that's going to make things better, you know, tell her, let her know. Um, So it's almost like, June is the middleman here. You know, she's trying to close this deal. So Fred kind of gives her the terms and June's like, okay, I will let her know and I will get back to you. So boss moves. (laughs) And so the next scene, once again, another boss move. So Serena's having a smoke in this wonderfully beautiful indoor pool. I was like, okay, the Putnam's have a really nice house. Um, And so she's smoking... June walks in and kind of lays out the terms. She's like, you know, I talked to Fred and he wants you back. He's nothing without you. Um, you know, he wants to reconcile. And I suggested to him that you get more freedom in your marriage. Um, you know, because as your wife, as his wife, you have influence, you have access and you have power. Note, these are the three things that June needs to kind of take down the society. And, um, she wants Serena to do what they did before. So basically, just to bump back to last season, when Uvgen blew up the new Red Center, um, a lot of the handmaids were killed and injured, and a lot of commanders were injured. Fred was one of them. So, But he still, at the time, was still running the show. So in his absence, Serena was actually running the show. She was writing out you know, proposals and you know, forging his signature. Um, and he at some point allowed it. So, you know, we're trying to essentially June's trying to set up for Serena to do this again. Um, and I, she has this great line. She says, wear the dress, pull the strings. Yeah, and I love, I love that. Yeah. 
love that line. And just kind of as a way to kind of seal the deal, um, they share a smoke. Uh, so Serena gives gives June a cigarette, a lighter, and June sits back, lounges out on that uh, <laughs> lounge chair in front of the pool and has a nice little smoke. Yeah, that was a nice boss that move. Was nice, yeah, that was a nice boss move. <laughs> And I remember seeing that like, <laughs> little featurette where the executive producers were talking about they didn't know, or they didn't know, I guess, the place they were shooting had that down there. And so they were mm-hmm. talking about how that was like one of their favorite scenes with her. In. Scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It was really well, it was really beautifully shot. Um, and I just I just love seeing June sitting down like, as an equal with Serena having a smoke and just, you know, just, I mean, I can't describe it any other way, being a boss. Uh, right. <laughs> take away, okay, so take away. This. I just want to keep that boss moment, though. I just want to keep, because, you know, it goes very up and down with June. I just want to keep that boss mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, take away that dress. She a boss. Uh, yes, well, so. We're about dress. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as she said, wear the dress, pull the strings. Um, so we cut to Emily. Um, she walks in on Sylvia, basically getting Oliver ready for bed. And uh, Oliver, he's such a sweetie pie. He asks Emily to read him a bedtime story. Um, and of course, in true, you know, fashion, instead of it being a regular kid's bedtime story, and they're reading about dinosaurs. So Emily kind of tentatively agrees. And um, she's hesitant, but she does it. So she basically reads this book to Oliver. And you can tell she's struggling. And uh, you see Sylvia and she's seeing, you know, her wife and her son finally reunited. They're doing something normal. They're reading a bedtime story. And she starts to cry. And then Emily gets overwhelmed with emotion. She starts to cry and she can't read anymore. And Oliver, he's just so sweet. He's like, do you want me to read for you? I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm sitting here on my, like, Tim tissue. Like, I don't even know what, what tissue you get right now. <laughs> yes i'm ugly crying it's such a beautiful moment i'm just like oh i just want i just want a hug right now this is too beautiful this is too much um they got us uh so later on you know uh, after oliver's been put to bed sylvia's outside emily comes out to talk to her and you know this is a lot for her and she tells sylvia like you know i'm gonna stay with you for a little bit longer but i'm gonna go check into the hotel just just to get my mind right, just to kind of adjust to things. And, you know, Sylvia's on board with it. You know, she, like, as we, as I said earlier, she's letting her do things at her own pace. And oftentimes people don't get that luxury. So I, I appreciate Sylvia essentially doing her research and just kind of letting Emily do things in her own time. So, you know. Yeah, I like, and I like how they kind of like, I like how they kind of pull, they seem like they're kind of pulling away from each other. Cause like you said, they want to give the time the space. But then mm-hmm. they'll have these cute little moments where they're like, well, I kind of don't, you know, I kind of want to want to leave yet. I want to kind of hang out for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's be that like happily ever after, like you were talking about earlier, you can see that happening for them. Yeah, eventually. Once Emily finally starts to heal, I'm sure they'll be fine. But, you know, Sylvia's doing right by her, doing the right thing by just letting her breathe. And um, so we'll see how this this family dynamic pans out for the rest of the season. Um, but we next go to probably the most traumatic, I would say one of the most, more of the most infamous scenes in this series. Um, so they're all in the drawing room, the commanders, the wives, and they brought down Angela um, to see the guest. And uh, the commanders are all chit-chatting amongst each other. And I think someone said something along the lines of smart girls are trouble. And I was right, like, yeah. this guy. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> This guy. Yeah, I'm just like a yeah, typical. So Janine walks into the living room 
at this point, no handmaids have crossed that threshold. Like they're all in the vestibule. They're all in the kitchen. But Janine sees Angela and she zeroes in on her. So Janine crosses the threshold, walks into this drawing room, living room situation. And, um, you know, June's like, no, 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 Janine, come back. I was like cringing. I was cringing so hard. I was like, what is she doing? No, don't do it. (laughs) So she tries to get her back, but you know, she doesn't want to cause a scene. So, you know, Janine ends up walking up to the Putnam's and um, Serena's there with Fred and, you know, Serena's holding the baby. And and then, you know, Angela or not Angela, excuse me. Janine's like, can I hold her? And, you know, if we go back to last season, um, Angela, for whatever reason, was experiencing some type of medical mystery. Like she was dying, but nobody knew why. Um, and eventually it turned out all she needed was her mom, her real mom. So, you know, Janine bonded with her, took off her clothes, did some skin to skin contact. And for, you know, by some miracle, Angela was better. So in a lot of ways, um, Naomi's very grateful to Janine for what she did. And even earlier in the episode when the handmaids first arrive in the house, you know, she says, thank you, you know, God bless you to June for saving Angela. But Janine also saved Angela. And she, you know, she says, God bless you. So she's merciful today. She's like, you know what? God is merciful here. So she hands Angela over to Janine and everyone's in the room's tent. Like at this point, Aunt Lydia notices everyone's tense. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And Angela starts crying because at this point she's gotten accustomed to Naomi as her mother. So she's not comfortable with, with Janine. Um, she starts crying and Janine is a good girl for once. And you're just like, okay, Janine hands over Angela. Like, you know, you got, I'm so thankful for you guys that, you know, you're her parents, you know, God bless you. And I want to bless you with another kid. And I was like, no, <laughs> like you were doing yeah, so was, good. Yeah. <laughs> she was in that line. She was doing good. And it was like, Ooh, yeah. just kidding. took a little bit too far so at this point she crosses the line she's like i want to be a warren again i want to give you more children isn't that what you guys want for us to produce children for you she's like i just want to be with my daughter and that's when aunt lydia loses her cotton picking mind like i was like is this still Aunt lydia like was she like out of the body like i was trying to figure out what was going on she's like no and you know she goes to hit janine june tries to stop her and she tells you no and june kind of like you know goes back in fear like hides her you know puts her hands up she doesn't want to get hit and then you know aunt lydia loses her mind and starts wailing on janine with um like the end of her cattle prod just beating the crap out of her in front of all these yeah, people. These cattle prods out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it's stuck in her little her brown dress there. Um, so she's beating the crap out of her. I'm like, she's supposed to be injured. How she how she got that swing like that? Like, what's going? Yeah, on? I'm like, I don't know what kind of medicine they gave us. She got about that shit. I was like, what? That adrenaline is going. So everyone's watching in horror, and she's not letting up. She's calling Janine a stupid, stupid girl. Like you can tell she's frustrated and she's just lost it. Um, and you know, at this point, June throws herself over top of Janine to stop Aunt Lydia from beating the life out of Janine. And she's just like, no, no. Like it was it kind of reminded me of um Caesar and the planet of the apes when he's like, no. Um, but <laughs> I don't know, just weird association there. But she's, you know, Aunt Lydia at this point is kind of snapped back to reality. 
she's looking. Yeah, it's like something to pull her out of because she clearly had lost her mind. I was like, she ain't even a Lydia right now. I don't know what she doing. She turned into a whole monster. And at this point, Olivia's always been very calculating. This is the first time you see her lose her cool. And it's in front of everybody. Um, And this is how you know it's her position because nobody, except for June, is doing anything. And the fact that they're all like, oh, you know, they have this look on their face like, okay, she's lost it. But they have this other look that it's like, well, am I supposed to do anything? You know, was it me that was doing something? Like, maybe I don't realize what she's doing because of her position. You know, anybody else, they're like, oh, you're kind of crazy. Let me just, let, you know, let me pull you out. Or let me, I feel like she doesn't have the same, you know, like, it doesn't have the same response as, like, somebody else freaking out. Like well, that. that too, and the fact that they were just all shocked. Like, I mean, if I see someone getting the crappy out of them, you either want to help or you just kind of stand back and watch and like, oh, my God, is this really happening? So they're just all looking on horror and clearly... Once everybody, you know, settles down and they take Janine off, you know, they're just looking at her. And Aunt Lydia, is, for once, she's embarrassed. She's ashamed. You know, she's never lost her cool like this. And she tries to apologize. She can barely even talk. Like, she can't even get the words out. She just kind of just keeps like, like, uh, uh, um, and then she, she just walks out. She finds a quiet corner. She sits down. And for the first time, you kind of see this wall come down and she starts crying, like sobbing hysterically because and not only for the fact that she lost control, but she lost control on Janine. And I think out of all the handmaids, like as far as who she cares about, she loves Janine. Um, it, it's a perverted, it's, it's a weird kind of love, but she loves Janine like almost like a daughter. So the fact that she had to, you know, basically put hands on her like that. She, she's hurt yeah i think that would have been the only thing that actually shocked her so yeah that's gonna be interesting the ramifications exactly it's gonna be very interesting. yes and then the zoom in on the on face. the face and dowd serving face on this episode um so we kind of have the aftermath of everything that's happening so all the handmaids kind of gather up their their wings put them on their heads to leave out and everyone's like i hope janine's okay and of course of uh, matthew has to be extra it's talking about that's what she gets Oh my, I want to smack the crap out of her. I was like, this girl is evil. I'm over her. I was like, oh, Matthew, just go get in the just car. Get in the car. Just get in the car. Just, ugh. Just, ugh. I can't stand her. Anyways, <laughs> so you could, June just gives her the side eye. Like, no, you did not. Yeah, like, June gets in her face all the time. She gets in that face every time. Like, why are you even talking uh, right now? Like, why are you right So, once again, June <laughs> loves to linger. She just can't just go. She kind of, kind of wanders around the house a little bit. Um, and she notices, I would call, I, I wouldn't say they're guardians and i know fred had mentioned earlier that he had the hands looking for nicole so it looks like it's like um yeah. a bunch of hands which is i guess the counterintelligence to, to the eyes the hands come in they're like you know where the waterford's at we need to talk to them um so they go into like a study and june kind of being all nosy per usual and you can see the waterford's looking at a video and then they notice the hands notice um june standing in the doorway and they're like is that your handmaid and Fred's like, former handmaid. Like, okay, well, we need to talk to her. So they bring June, uh, June into the room. They have they pull out this um, tablet. They have a look at a video. And we see Luke holding Nicole, you know, in a baby carrier. Ow. Men baby carry too. 
Um, <laughs> so he's holding her in a baby carrier. You know, they're at, uh, looks like it's a protest. It's in support of Chicago, which is basically fighting back against Gilead or Gilead trying to fight to get Chicago back. Um, so they're at a protest, you know, he, and you can, I just, I actually love that video just to see Luke all happy, you know, with, with little Nicole. Yeah. Even if it is short-lived, it's, it's nice. you know, they see their bond and that's his baby girl. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, cute. Um, and why he got to be in a video <laughs> and they asked they asked june you know can you confirm this is luke and you know june confirms it and she walks out and then serena asks to see the video again she notes how big nicole is and then you see june kind of like collapse and she's crying but she's smiling like she's relieved like i'm uh emily excuse me nicole is where she's supposed to be you know with her quote-unquote father with her stepdad um and you could see like she has hope finally and we're actually going to back up a little bit because i didn't miss the point speaking of hope um right before the hands came in to talk to the waterfords um so Oh, yeah. This yeah, Serena right and June have a moment. So Serena's like, oh, wow, you know, that's not how the party should have ended. Poor Naomi. And June's like, poor Naomi? Like, what about Janine? And then, you know, Serena makes a good point. This is why handmaid, this is why the system is in place. Handmaids are not supposed to stay with their children for this very purpose. Um, when a handmaid gives birth to a child, they're reassigned. They're in the house for as long as they produce milk and then the baby's weaned off and they go to another home. Um, so as a result of that, you know, Angela kind of stayed on, or excuse me, Janine stayed on a little bit too long. She got attached to Angela and this is why she's behaving the way she is. Um, and so, you know, June kind of snaps on Serena and Serena ends up extending like a kindness to June. She tells her, you know, Hannah is probably going to be in a trade school for young women, teaching them how to sew, you know, basic home economics. Um, they're out by their schools by the reservoir. They come out after lunch around noon to play. So this is like her extending hope to June um, because June had noted earlier she didn't regret leaving Gilead because she was hoping that she could see Hannah one day. And, you know, uh, Serena says, you know, I, I can't say the same for Nicole, but at least she's kind of extending this olive branch and saying like, hey, this is how you can see your kid. Um so, you know, now she knows, you know, she can see Hannah when she wants to, and she knows Nicole is safe with Luke. So, you know, so far, two for two. Yeah. Yeah. But I did, I will admit, I will, I did kind of side eye Serena a little bit about that statement mm -hmm. about the system, because I'm, I'm kind of like, that's where you, that's where you kind of go back and forth. I feel like with Serena, why so that character is so well played because you're, you're following her. Like you want her to do these boss moves and, you know, she gives you a little mm -hmm. bit about Hannah, but then it's still like, she's very, Oh yeah, absolutely. She built it. You know, and so you're like, yeah. So you're, you're just, that pushes, you know, that pushes June back a little bit, you know, almost mm -hmm. back in her place. Like, Hey, this is why this yeah. has to be like this. So you have that back and forth with Serena, which I think is like, again, mm -hmm. very well played. Yeah. Serena built the system at the same time. She kind of trapped herself in the system. <laughs> so it's like a two Right, which is so interesting to me. I'm like, it's so crazy. I yeah, it's a two-edged sword. Um, so yeah. So and then you know, even after she tells her about Hannah, that's when she flashes back back to the baptism of um of Hannah. And you know, even though none of them and that group are actually religious in any way, you know, Luke says like, I love the fact that we did this. This was a way of thanking God for the gift of our child. Um, and. If you think about the climate pre-Gilead, right before, you know, they, they took power, um, the fertility rate 
and the states went all the way down. Because when June gave birth to Hannah, she was like the only woman in the hospital giving birth. I don't know about you, but when I gave birth to Destiny, there's about 10 of us in that ward. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, I just thought that, yeah, I don't have kids, but I just thought that was very odd when they actually mm-hmm. had that scene play out. And then the girl that came and tried to take um, Hannah um, in the hospital. I thought that was very, I was like, so how does it get to that point where it's like, like you said, she was the only Yeah, it was one. some type of environmental disaster that kind of caused the population to be infertile. So, you know, that's why, the, you know, they went to this church. They went and got her baptized. And um, it was actually kind of ties very nicely, bookends this episode, with uh, Luke and Moira going to a church to have Nicole baptized and I was just like oh <laughs> and you know they're a very odd set of godparents and you know the priest is like well who are you guys to this baby and then Luke's like well um this is my wife's daughter I'm not her father and you know um Moira's like well I'm her best friend and you know she's uh she's back in Gilead um so the priest agrees they you know they baptize Nicole and it's just such a cute moment just seeing her godparents seeing Luke and Moira hold her and kind of do the same thing they did with Hannah um and the episode ends on that note on that happy hopeful note so yeah that that wraps up the episode um yeah (laughs) you're still thinking about that video when the episode yeah when the episode ends I'm still thinking about that video Cause I, I'm like every time, I don't know. I just don't like that video. I haven't seen. I'm, I'm staying with the flow where I haven't seen mm-hmm. uh, the next episode. But I'm like, that cannot be good. Yeah, like, the fact that they've confirmed who Luke is and where Nicole is. The fact that they have eyes everywhere—that's unsettling. Yeah, like they know him and have the look. Like before, they didn't have any of this stuff figured out. Like they knew she probably had a husband, you know. And um, Nick saw him a little bit, but. I don't know. The fact that they have this evidence now just really makes me scared for like everything that's. Well, if you think about it, when the Waterfords visited Canada last season, um, Luke actually confronted Fred. Um, he was out there with a picture. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, that's right. Yeah. So he was already. He's like building up a. He like building up a fire. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, you raped my wife. Like, we gonna have some words. Um. So Fred and Luke do not like each other. Um. So it should be. As it should, As be. It should be. But one has more power than the other one, you know, as long as they stay across the borders. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's next episode, um, it's basically Serena requests to see Nicole. So we'll see. It's called Unknown Caller. So we'll see, you know, if Luke agrees to it. Um, that should be interesting. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll look forward to the next episode. And, you know, last week we talked about our roles in Gilead, what we would be if we were somehow trapped in this society. Um, and we got a lot of responses on Twitter. So I'm going to touch on a few responses. Let me just pull it up. So just to break down the hierarchy, just real quick for you guys. So in The Handmaid's Tale, the hierarchy goes as follows. You have the commanders at the very top. Right next to them is their wife, slightly lower, but the wives are just as po- are, are very powerful unto themselves. They're high class. Um, directly below them are the eyes, the secret police. Um, next to the eyes are the angels. Those are the soldiers that are actually fighting in the colonies in Chicago. Um, they're also very respected. 
then you have the guardians, which I would almost compare them to the National Reserve. You know, they're on site. They're there to protect the people of Gilead, but they're not really fighting. They're just kind of enforcers. And then directly beneath them, we have the aunts who are outside of the wives, the most powerful women in this society. Um, you know, they are the, basically the enforcers as well. <laughs> um, beneath the aunts are the Marthas. The Marthas serve the commander's homes. And beneath the Marthas are the handmaids, who, you know, are the ones that procreate, have babies for these commanders. Directly beneath them are the Akana wives, who are, like I said, your normal women. Um, they basically are Martha and handmaid. And, you know, their husbands are usually guardians, lower-ranked men. And then we have the Jezebels, which are the legal prostitutes in Gilead. And finally, we have the unwomen, um, and they're the ones that are working in the colonies. Women who, you know, are widows, are nuns, are just not conforming to Gilead, or women that were punished because they weren't following the rules. So that's the structure there. And here are some of the responses. So, uh, you know, Ryan said she would be a wife. I said I. Yeah, I was trying to go So Ryan said she looked good in blue. She'd be a wife. Um, I said I would hope to be a wife because, you know, the men I date, they're all, you know, they're all professionals. They're all doing their thing. So, hey, so maybe I might be able to be married to, you know, a high ranking man. I don't know. Perhaps, you know, join the scammer mode. Uh, <laughs> iconic um, so hopefully but I don't know I probably if, if they consider having a child out of wedlock as a sin then I probably would be a handmaid um, so here so I'm going you got the blue red uniform I mean, I mean just make me an Akana wife just you know what I'm saying just I, I'm good with that marry me to like Nick I'll be happy with that uh, yeah, okay. I'm good with that and then eventually you know my husband can I rise up and then I can be a wife one day too so you know that's the base. That's the best case scenario for me. Give me, give, make me an Akana wife, so I can marry a guardian. He work his way up in the system. He could become a commander, and then I can be a wife. And, um, there we go. So, um, so here's a few of the responses on Twitter. So, uh, Joyous One at Joy L. Ross, you know, she says, none of them. I would hope I would have left this insane island well before this, like the day I went into work and was told all the women are fired and her jobs were given to a man just because he's a man, or the day my bank account was no longer accessible because I'm a woman. And she has a gift of Annalise Keating leaving out, you know, that, that gift to her, like looking at somebody and picking up a purse and just like, Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a good one. That was yeah. Yeah, and then I totally agree. Yeah, if you just you know just leave, that's what we're talking about too. You can also get your pass to Canada. I'm I mean, it's, better, it's easier said than done. I mean, you know, at this point, I'm sure, you know, once Gilead started like killing cabinet members, killing the president, enforcing the fact that women can't um hold jobs can't have their own money i'm sure they had a tight hold on the on on the borders it probably would have been really hard to get out you know i'm just saying oh, i yeah. mean oh yeah yeah you would have had to pull that emily you would have get that emily fire right yeah. There, yeah or i mean, I mean luckily you know um like look at what happened with sylvia and emily it was hard for them to get out and the only reason why sylvia got out is because she's a canadian citizen that's the only reason why she left you know at, 
Right. Yeah. I was like, boy, that episode. She, she was, was so lucky, lucky to get out. Man. And so, you know, and it's kind of like compare it to um, Nazi Germany. A lot of people were like, OK, well, you know, once they put in those restrictions for the Jews, you know, it was hard, but it wasn't too bad. You know, like we could deal with this. And, you know, people decided to wait it out, see if it got worse. And it got worse. And when it got worse, they couldn't get out. They were stuck. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. That waiting period, like you need to bypass yeah, that whole waiting yeah. period. Is what happened with the whole Gilead situation. Yeah, so either, you know, you you kind of saw things ahead of time, even before, um, you know, either you just happened to be lucky and you saw things ahead of time and you left out. Like, I mean, like, you know, I always got to bring it back to Game of Thrones. You know, a Targaryen had a vision that there would be a great doom and they left. And five years later, the doom of Valyria yeah. happened. So unless you, you know, have a premonition in mind, it might be hard for you to flee, but... Some people got out. So we'll leave it at that. Um, so let me look at a couple of other responses. Um, Hi, Sadidi at H. Sadidi said, uh, I'm black. So they chipped me off to Africa. <laughs> um, <laughs> sis. I, she don't want that. Uh, see, I get her though. See, she don't want the of uh, Matthew. Yeah, you don't want to be with Matthew. But sis, they don't care about your color and Gilead. As long as you can make babies, you're going to be there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah unless you can somehow make it out. They ain't shipping you back. You gotta escape for that. Um Avril E. Russell at Frontier Woman says unwoman every time. Either that or fighting with the rebels. So okay, we got some resistors. And there's a lot of people that said they wanted to be unwomen. Simone Cromer at Theater of Zen says, I'm pr- I'd proudly be an unwoman who was a leader of an uprising who was particularly skilled with knives, machetes, and a glock. Okay, Simone. Wow. You got that life. Okay, so where can I where can I sign up for that resistance? If we agree. Right. Well, you know, we have mentioned maybe Holly would be part of the resistance and as an unwoman in the colonies. So, you know, Simone has the right idea. She says she got her black, she ready, she a thug. Uh- <laughs> oh yeah, she ready. There you go. Exactly. And we actually have a guy replying. Um, he said his name is a Dean and Peach Oxygen Thief. Is that a Trump reference? <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> At DJ Moore. We like you, Dean. Um, Dean says, I'd be yeah. dead for having trash talk the Gilead leaders before they took office or went openly dystopian. Otherwise, I try and work my way into being an eye or a guardian and use the position to funnel information to the right people who are anti-Gilead. Okay. Well played. Well played, sir. Um, so those are some of the yeah, responses. Yeah. Um, we can touch on them next week. Uh, more of them because there's a quite a few people that reached out to us and kind of um, talked about what they would be. Um, and so maybe I'm going to pose this question. So if you're stuck in Gilead, what is your plan? How do you go about surviving this world? Are you going to try to escape? Are you going to create an uprising? Or are you going to be like someone like of math and just kind of go along with it? in hopes of surviving or even be, you know, someone like Nick who is an I, but at the same time he's feeding information to the resistance to kind of bring the society down. Or are you a June who's also kind of forming her own resistance? So if you were in this world, for some reason you got stuck there, how would you survive? That's my question for the week. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, Ryan, what would you do? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I going to say I would probably be June in the sense that I will you def I definitely want to fight to get out but 
you I want to put a little bit of Lawrence in there. Mm. Like I would I would love to be a lot more slicker than she's been. Like I hate when she cuz she I feel like she lays all her cards out cuz she thinks she has it going one way and it gets totally flipped mm-hmm. the script on her and she can't do anything. Cuz she's in the part of society where right. everybody's going to notice you. Everybody knows where you're going cuz you you know and mm-hmm. it's like there's no way for her to get out of whatever she put herself into. Like you're just hoping it's not so exactly. bad. You know, where she gets, you know, where she, they kill her or something like that. But it's just like, she never, she always has too many of her moves visible, I think, for what she's trying to do. Yes. Okay. That's fair. Um, I would like to work the system like a wife. Like if I happen for whatever reason, by the grace of God, um, if I happen to be a wife, I'd kind of want to pull a Serena, like pull the strings to kind of bring society mm-hmm. down you know, behind, under the guise of being this loyal wife to my husband. That's probably the yeah, way I'd, I'd go about so it. caught up like Freddie is that he don't be paying attention. He don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that would be my motivation. Um, so guys, uh, if you have your thoughts for survival, tweet at us at Black Girl Nerds, at Black Girl Geeks, and at BGM Podcasts. Or you could tweet us directly. I am melanmommy underscore 2816. And at November Bear, that is Ryan. Um, so let And I did follow Angelica. Thank I'm you. Just, I'm just going to put Thank that out there. Right. I followed it. I was paying attention. I appreciate it. I need all the followers I can get. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, guys, this has been great. Um, so excited to cover next week. We will see you then. See you next week. Yeah, let us know, guys. See you next week. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.